evening folks, this is a special 50th edition of 2 Minutes for Chatting. Who'd I think would make it to 50 episodes? I mean, it was, what, 18 months ago that we started this, so... Yeah, I don't know the exact date, but... No, but uh, roughly, roughly speaking, but it's pretty good going. Here we are, and what a treat we've got in store. We've got even the potential uh, of some special guests, but we might get to that a bit later on, won't spoil anything for you. But first, um, as ever, we've got the ice hockey news, and there's been a fair a fair amount of it, uh, especially clan-wise, which is always good. Yeah, definitely. Um, good to see some signings coming, coming in now. Uh, one returning player and two new faces, so... Plenty to talk about. We'll try and get through it. Try and squeeze it in. Um, so the, the first uh, of the returning names was uh, a guy who I think can probably be considered a fan's favourite um, by now. And it's um, a bit of a new role for him. And it's Matt Becker returning, but this time as player assistant coach. Yeah, um, that was an interesting one. Uh, again, working with working with Fitzy, obviously he's worked with him before, so uh, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic there and how how he sort of develops into that coaching role. But um, for me, the, the main thing is that we've got our top point scorer back, and I think that was uh, <coughs> definitely a name at the top of the list of of guys that we that we should have been. Having back for this season. Yeah, believe it or not, his name is actually Matthew John Rigby. <laughs> According to Elite Prospects. Um but no, good good obviously to have him back, first of all, really as a player. Um he had that spell with Manchester in twenty seventeen, eighteen. Uh, but two seasons now with us, seventy five points in the first from fifty two games. Uh, and 68 last season from 60 games so he, he knows where the net is um, and obviously getting getting a bit older now but I think looking to transition into coaching stuff but um, we know what we'll get from him and I, I don't think I'm, I'm disappointed in any way with the, with the signing but some people maybe have been a bit yeah bit, maybe uh, split yeah a wee bit sort of split opinions on him but um, if he's if he's still going to rack up the points for us then I don't really have any issue with bringing him back um, no as I said top top point scorer for us um, last year so definitely a guy that, that you would want back um, especially after losing Connolly as well you want some sort of stability up top and obviously Becca works well with, with Pitt as well, um, so good to have both he loves Pitt. He does. I think they probably, I think he'd mentioned in the interview that he, Pitt being back's a fair attraction for him. Uh, and we know what they can. They weren't at times at their best last year, but no. Um, I still think for where we are, it's hard to say that, that we could do a lot better than those two. 
given their <laughs> records. Yeah. Um, realistically. So, but uh, on top of that, he is now an assistant coach. So he's essentially doing the role that Fitzy did to Pete Russell last year. Mm-hmm. Um, something that he's looking to move into coaching, maybe. Uh, the assistant coach is always a weird one because I, <laughs> I always get the impression that they don't really do much, other than <laughs> give a couple of ideas. And I think that's mainly really what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the coach that gets the final say, and they just yeah. Plus, I mean, what, I mean, not to be horrible, but what what's he going to learn from Fitzy as a coach? Obviously, he's inexperienced as well, and we know obviously he was a assistant coach last year, but um, becoming a coach is a is a totally different ball game. So. Um, It'll be interesting to see just how that works and uh, if he's got any ideas that he can bring into training that might help the team, then fair enough. We'll see. Yeah, um, they always use the expression bounce ideas off each other when they're talking about the coach and assistant, so I guess that's what it's really going to be. Um, but no, glad, glad to have him back and he, he'll have uh, some ideas on player recruitment as well, I'd have thought. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, have an influence there. Um, so yeah, nothing really too negative to say about that. Um, on to on to the next signing, and it was a guy with a a, a bit of a different name, Matt. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll come to that, or we may as well come to it now. Come to Matt. How many Matts have we got on the team now? Uh, Four. Four, yeah, and I'm sure there was one point where Mr. Haywood was the only guy yeah. there with that name, and now he's been joined by another three. Um, at the end of the day, who cares what his name is <laughs> if he's any good? <laughs> nah, but the um, Pufal Matthew Pufal is uh, 25, he's a D man, six feet two shoots left um, so coming in from uh, Slovakia well he had a small a short spell in, in Utah and then went to Slovakia last year um, looks like quite an interesting prospect I think still fairly young uh, and the reference from Fitzy was he was a, a good skating D-man who is both defensively and offensively sound mm-hmm. maybe yeah. not word for word that's not what he said but it's <laughs> some to that extent yeah um, well I mean these are, these are the kind of guys that you know we should be looking to bring in as a club uh, you know fairly young um, has already been a captain uh, in the WHL obviously that's a, that's a lower standard than, than most leagues but um, still you know putting up uh, a fair number of points there um, loads actually yeah 49 points from 62 games yeah and even a, a short spell in the in the American Hockey League as well uh, and got a goal there as well so yeah that's a fair jump not to be sniffed at uh, and then obviously went to uni and spent four years there again pretty solid numbers uh, yeah before before starting as professional 
uh, career proper. So um, no, a, a good addition by by all accounts. So I've not seen too much of him, obviously, apart from the wee. Yeah, see, the problem I've got with those videos is that the quality is shite and you can't really see anything. But I understand that they're not always going to have footage and you have to put something together. Yeah. Um, but is this, is he on a uni deal? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I believe uh, that's why I was kind of wondering maybe if he was uh, going to be a replacement for, for Tyson Wilson. Um, obviously, we, we hope not. We hope that's not the case, but... Um, we don't, I don't really know what the, what the situation is regarding the uni deals or nah. if there's a certain number of them that they can have. Or there, I would guess there's probably a certain number, but it might change year to year. Because yeah. that's the uni stuff's quite a big pull for players, I think, uh-huh. to, to do that. If you're thinking of what's, what's next after playing hockey. So I think the chance to do that is... Mm-hmm. What gets a lot of players to the league, and all the teams do it that have decent uni connections. Yeah, I know Dundee have been quite successful, for example, with that. So, uh, anything you can use to get decent players in, then I'm all for it. Um, yeah, but yeah, good good size as well. So I think that's something that we don't see too often from somebody who puts up that many points. Yeah, a, a bigger guy. Um, I'm thinking of like. Your Cameron Burtz and Ryan Kavanagh type smaller <laughs> yeah. D men tend to be more of arson as well. Mm-hmm. Not not as big guys tend to be the guys that put up those points. So I think you'll hopefully be quite quite physical and obviously the main role is, is to be a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, that's that's number one priority for me. Um and if we can get if we can get that right in front of Colleen, then we could be in for in for a good season. Yeah, I mean it's, it's looking pretty promising so far. Uh, just the one space left now um, in the defence with the addition of the our third signing that will come into in a minute. But uh, overall, it's looking looking quite strong uh, in that department. Yeah, and the indication is that Fitzy will be the spare import which mm. uh, we've discussed is we've discussed what we think of him as a player um, but I, as a spare import I'd be perfectly happy with that um, I, well I think I don't, I don't know I think we struggled without a spare import last yeah. year especially D you had Tansky playing there a lot as good as he was mm-hmm. but ideally you want a D man coming in uh, okay, maybe not Fitzy, but I just mean yeah, I just mean somebody who is a defenseman uh-huh. coming in to that spare slot. Yeah, um, obviously Fitzy's got the experience there that he can he can use, and if he's if he's still going to be in shape and stuff, then yeah, it's, it's probably fair enough. Really, he'll let himself go now as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> nah, even though he says that. So, um, yeah. So um, Puffal was joined by. Someone with a name that we are really familiar with, not a Matt, uh, but it's another, it's another Haywood. This time spelled with an E. Uh, Jordan Haywood comes in, another D man, as you said, thirty years old, six feet tall, and he's a right hander, so getting a wee bit of balance there on the lines. But he comes after three seasons in DEL two. 
last year, last year in Dresdner, uh, an assistant captain and then a captain. Year before that in Heilbrunner. <laughs> Heilbrunner. Yeah. Um, so another guy who has, well, on first first look, he's offensive. Um, we don't always want our our D men to be offensive thinking first, but. I think again another promising signing. Um, he did play against us pre-season last year and got a couple of points. I think in that game, I actually watched the YouTube highlights. What did you? Yeah, I watched the YouTube highlights, pretending I was a scout. Um, <laughs> but no, he he played in that game at Brayhead, so he obviously had an idea what the club was like. In his interview, he said that Gareth had contacted him last year about coming. No, but he wasn't. He wasn't in that position yet. So, um, but again, good, decent career in terms of uh, where he's played. A few years in East Coast after university, and then DL two, which we know is a pretty decent standard to be honest. Um, they beat us, I think, five, five one. Albeit preseason's not a great judge, but. Um, Mm-hmm. They beat us there, so I think with there've been a lot of good players come from that level to this league, um, and uh, it's just it remains to be seen what he would be like, but it will be certainly confusing. Yeah, with those be. two names. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know what number he's going to be. So seventeen was it seventeen? It was seventeen at uh, last year. So even the numbers are quite similar. If you look at him from a distance, <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be even even more annoying from that aspect. But um, <clears throat> but no, I think he I think he'll be a good signing, and uh, you know, in, in his three years there, he's he's been in a he's been an alternate captain and a captain, and uh, put up an average of thirty five ish points um, per season there, forty points last season, so. Uh, Hopefully he can he can bring that bring that to the to the team and I think Fitzy had said as well that he would be he would be key on the on the power play and on the penalty kill. Um so obviously special yeah. teams are a big thing for him as well. So uh, but yeah, it just looks another another solid addition. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need obviously some guys to play on that power play. It was a lot of it went to uh, Earhart. Yeah, last year a lot of time and a bit as well to Wilson. Sometimes I think you feel like it gets a bit stale. So to be able to have a few options, and I, I think that he would Puffal and Stannis so far of what we've got are probably your main forward-thinking mm-hmm. guys there. Um, all of them six feet and over. Yeah, I don't know if that's a theme that he's going for, but. Uh, Nah, so pretty promising. Aerial pucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Win the ball in the air. Um, but no, so that leaves one slot there still left to fill. And as we said, hopefully, if we were to pick a returnee, it would be Wilson. Mm. Perhaps not likely. Um, <clears throat> but but who knows? Um, Don't know. Could be saving that one for. Could be, because that would be a good, a a good, good one. To, yeah. I don't know what everyone else is thoughts were regarding Wilson um, but 
we we both both liked him. So um, yeah. I thought he made the game look pretty easy at times. Yeah, definitely. Um, so regarding then forwards, the spaces we've got left for forwards, uh, we've got six six signed. So oh, six and five, eleven plus. So we've got one backup or perhaps more than a backup keeper left one D-man and so that'd be eight plus Haywood because he's not on that plus Haywood to be announced yeah. so another four forwards no that's not right either. more than that so I don't, don't know when I count five, it five live yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so no, I, I think we'd said before we're looking for some big names to, not big names <laughs> that we know but yeah, guys, so experienced, guys, experienced guys that have done it at a high level to come in in the forward. So we'll see how that actually pans out. Um, regarding the listeners' comments on what we'd put out, there were a couple. Firstly, regarding uh, Becca, I think, if I can bring them up. Or maybe not. Just a ton of likes. It was a ton of likes on Becca's post, so... <laughs> That's, I guess, a positive sign. Appreciate that. Uh, the, the comments came in regarding um, Matt, Matt Puffal, I think. Yeah. Uh, Neil Hewitson said two D-men slots left, hope one is Wilson, which is what we've said. Puffal looks smooth and is a big unit. So feeling positive with additions so far and returnees. Uh, and... Jan's Purple Army said what we've said <laughs> would like Wilson back, so yeah. that's a pretty. Not a lot of love for Earhart, but. Obviously, <laughs> when that. Nah, nah, the big man's gone. I would mention Wilson in the post, or one of the posts, because I think we would. Obviously, it would be good to, to have uh, Tyson Wilson back. He thought he was really good for his last year. Uh, that would sort of tie in the, the D really well, I think. Um, and you know it's it's good to see that other people are agreeing with that as well. Um, it just shows what what a player, what a, a big player he was for us. Um, so I mean we'll we'll see what happens with that, but fingers crossed. Yeah, that would be a good that'd be a good uh, D setup, I think. Um, regarding you might not hear some background noise. <laughs> I don't really know what it is, but my boiler's blown up. Uh, yeah, just. <laughs> If if you lose us halfway through, then uh, we've given you all we can up till now. Um, regarding Haywood, Lisa Hunter says looks good. He can score as well, and obviously that is is a bonus. But I think the main thing for me is the defensive side. Don't want to be leaking goals again. Um, mm. Jan's purple army again. Big up Jan's purple army. Couple of big comments on on the post yeah. recently, which is good. Yeah. Uh, on paper looks a decent signing time will tell fingers crossed which is the motto of this podcast <laughs> don't know anything about tell. it so time will tell yeah. hashtag TWT we should start uh, the, time, the time will tell podcast <laughs> yeah change the name Neil Hewitson looks solid has played at a good level knows Scott Tansky so that should make integration easier just need the 6D man uh, and forwards to come in to put up big points. Why did we even record an episode? We could have just read that. 
tweet out, just read which them is off. basically yeah, basically a reflection of what we've said. Um, but now nah, looking good, they're expecting a few forwards to come in now. Um, but I guess Fitzy being a D man, maybe he wanted to sort that out first. Yeah, nah, that's that's fair enough. Uh, and then obviously the back up net mind as well. Still to come. Uh, so I, I think we've still got so we've still got a like a UK slot British position to fill. If I'm right. So I, I'm assuming it'll be yeah. Gary Russell, but I don't I wouldn't want to make that assumption. For the for the goalie? Yeah. Yeah, unless we go another import goaltender and then drop like uh, Howlett or something doesn't come back. Well, that's right, so we two actually. Right, okay. Yeah, because Howlett's not been announced, so. That's right. Yeah, possible, but we'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> um, moving on then, away from clan stuff, just the league in general, there's been about 750 transactions, so. We'll just uh, literally skim through. Yeah, literally skim. Extensions first. Uh, some, I guess, more interesting than others, if ever. But uh, in fact, actually, there's only been about five or six contract extensions, so we can we can go for that. TJ Foster at Guildford. We didn't didn't cover that last time. I don't think. No. Um, Guildford, as well as one signing that we will. Reveal, in fact, we may as well talk about it now. It's not, it's not a reveal. We're not <laughs> Guildford podcast, but Steve Lee joins from Nottingham, so the Guildford are looking, I think, stronger again. Yeah, they are. Foster um, was pretty good, so I think uh, Lee had been, I think he'd been at Guildford um, before Nottingham as well. Obviously, more, more than a decade ago now, but uh, he obviously knows knows what it's like to play at that that ranking. Um, obviously in, a, in a, a different league now but um, obviously knows what's what's going on there so uh, a good another good solid addition uh, by Guildford see me, see me do this year on year just build on last year's they must have a huge budget well no. they, they've got a significant budget I think yeah um, not as not as much as the big teams but they're able to bring these guys back so yeah and keep, um, keep guys there as well yeah uh, you know, guys have had really good seasons and could probably go elsewhere in Europe, but yeah, uh, doing well with Holden. But maybe it's just the fact that they're the closest team to London. So maybe good, a for, yeah, it's a good shout. It's maybe a lure for some players. Um, but yeah, just you know, always a solid, a solid team, and have built that foundation since coming into the league. Yeah, uh, the other teams that have been busy in terms of extensions, we've got uh, Fife bringing back Carlo Finucci and Mike Cazola, both guys with small man syndrome. Uh, but uh, Finucci, for me, especially annoying, I think I'd mentioned it, he was the Fife Brad Marchand. Cazola, <laughs> um, yeah, I like him a wee bit more, but I think... Yeah. Certainly, both of them important to Fife, and given we're about to discuss that they've lost a few key guys, um, they needed to mm. get some of that that back, and those two are being pretty reliable. Uh, Finucci kind of came from nowhere, I think EPL maybe. Yeah. And uh, Swindon Wildcats. Yeah, and Cazola slow start last year at Fife, but uh, 
really improved after that. I think he was one of the first names to bring back for Fife fans. Uh, did it also half decent additions for them, but I don't want to praise them too much. No, definitely not. Uh, but yeah, point of game guy, Funichin, because all obviously we had him for the season before as well, so know a wee bit about him as well and what he can bring. Um, so, but yeah, they have they have lost some players, so it was it was key to get to get those those guys. In. Uh, the other other team that we've seen a couple of extensions for are Cardiff, and that's not really much of a surprise. But uh, Charles Longley and Sam Duggan are back in Devil Red uh, for next year. <laughs> Obviously, they've got that CHL campaign as well, so those guys will be looking forward to playing in that. Uh, but Duggan, I think, did pretty well for his uh, being quite a young guy, made a, a good impact. And Longley was probably one of Cardiff's top top players, I think. Real game changing yeah. guy. Uh, so huge to get him back. And uh one old one yeah. Or yeah. one old one young. Sorry. Yeah, no, exactly. <coughs> um they they always seem to do it with the, their best guys to bring them back. But yeah. um so not not really surprising, but a huge player for them, so uh, he'll he'll be there and thereabouts in the top players next year I think again um, just on Cardiff I did notice that Evan Mosey is going to miss 6 to 8 months I think or some long period because mm. of needing knee surgery after an injury at the World Championship so that's basically like losing a signing yeah. I think um, he'll probably won't be available till the start of Next year, as in calendar, calendar year, yeah. yeah. So they might bring right. somebody else in to cover that. I would expect. Um, okay, so actual actual signing news. Then it will start just. Right, going we just going up we just go through one by one. You can just say one one word answers. Yeah, one word answers. Yeah. <laughs> or th- at mo- three three words if you can't do one. Right, okay. No, three words. Three words is fine. Right. And we're starting at Jake Hansen, I think. Mm-hmm. So, Jake Hansen. Jake Hansen. Who's that guy? Uh, did, <laughs> did not much. Yeah. He's away in Slovakia, so that's fine. Yeah, Moving okay. On. Uh, Evan Bloodoff, Fife to... This isn't my three words, by the way, but... <laughs> Fife to Coventry, big move. I mean, I was going to say something along the lines of big move, but we'll go big loss, Fife. Yeah, that's good. Uh, annoying as fuck. That's my <laughs> three about him. Yeah. Uh, Shane Owen, Fife to Belfast. Need more time. As in, we need more time to talk about, really. But Yeah, we do. Uh, but my three words would be brilliant, not exceptional. I only need two words. Best girl one, I like. Yeah, I like that. I have to, I have to break the three word thing here. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, he's he's a good goalie, but he's not quite at the level that they've yeah. they've just lost. Um, I think Fife would probably want want him back. So. 
mm-hmm. disappointing there as well as blood off but good to sign for Coventry uh, so back to three words Anthony Beauregard Brampton Beast to Dundee excellent name son I'll go for Pasha finds talent <laughs> uh, Lucas Lundvald and well the, the Dundee star kind of sounds like a newspaper anyway so yeah it does that sounds that's, like a newspaper headline like a headline yeah that's pretty good uh, Lucas Lundvald Dundee to Manchester strange signing that annoying and average <laughs> yeah I think it is a strange I'm breaking it I'm breaking it again that's Manchester's I, model though yeah he was annoying as fuck annoying and average but I didn't think he was absolutely brilliant I'm surprised that they've that he's gone there uh, mm. that they've kind of wanted him but okay fair enough uh, Mark Matheson Sheffield to Nottingham across the divide good player impressed yeah <laughs> I mean yeah but uh, I'm going to break it again but he is uh, getting on a wee bit now as well so yes. I don't know if Nottingham maybe just want somebody that, that knows the league yeah I don't know if he's doing any sort of coaching but he did do this. He was assistant to Tom. What's his name? Last year, I think, because yeah. he got a quite a bad injury and missed. He broke his arm or something. And missed or leg, missed a good chunk last year. Mm-hmm. But a good player, definitely very good. But getting on. Yeah. Um, Evan Jansen, Guildford to UTE. Don't even know where that is. Is it Romania or something? I'll look that up if you want to give me your three words. Quite liked him. Hungarian league right bear in mind I'm doing these three words just pure memory of players I'm not even looking at pages mm. flattered to deceive oh that's good three superb three <laughs> uh, Kevin King Guilford to Cortina big fall off promised didn't deliver because he was at Melvin season before that as captain yeah there was rumours that, that we would maybe look for him yeah. to get him because Pete Russell did well with him at mm. Milton, I think. David Brawl, Jacksonville Iceman to Coventry. Huge, strong bastard. Penalties in minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think he'll be a pretty tough guy. Um, might be quite a good signing for them. Yeah. Um, next up... Brian Connolly, Dorn Birner EC to Nottingham. Brian Connolly. Does uh, he not work at ITP or something? <laughs> <laughs> not that guy. I mean, I'm, I'm not using three words here, but I don't actually. I can't actually remember. I, I remember looking at him. He must have had a decent CV yeah, and signed yeah, for yeah. Nottingham. Yeah. So, will be good. Fair enough. That's my three. Uh, Michael Davis Linz to Sheffield very good sign looks top drawer yeah Drew Shisto Cardiff to Coventry well in Coventry they're tooling up (laughs) (laughs) Sam Gospel Nottingham to Leeds whatever only one word required decent wee keeper Alexis Loizo 
guessing the pronunciation there. Uh, DVTK Jegis Medvek to Nottingham. Unknown quantity. <laughs> Quality. Is this the guy? Sorry, I have to break this, but there's one of these guys that was quite small. He is 6'1. Right, okay. 25 right. years old. Big guy. Good. Uh, and finally, Brett Stoven, University of Manitoba to Dundee. And another one to finish off, by the way. I'll just refresh the page. But Brett Stoven. Oh, God. Sorry, I'm breaking this again, but University of Manitoba. Which brings back terrible memories, but. <laughs> Gary Russell Howler. <laughs> Is that the three? That's the three words. Is words that Manitoba? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Gary Russell Howler. My three is size, skill, speed. <laughs> I think he's big. I remember thinking that he's he'll be good. They were all good. Yeah. Pasha finds talent. Pasha's got talent. <laughs> uh, and finally, then really finally, Kevin, Kevin Carr. Carr, Utah to Nottingham. In his prime. Good goalie. Yep. <laughs> Nick, yeah. Good goalie. Good goalie. Good goalie, yeah. yep. Good goalie, yep. <laughs> uh, that concludes the draw. That does conclude the draw, yeah. That, that concludes the three words. Uh, quite a lot going on there, but some, some good good pickups for teams. I'm thinking Schistel to Coventry is a big one because we know what he's like. Mm. Uh, Lundvald to Manchester is a strange one Owen to Belfast mm. Sludoff to Coventry good one yeah that's a good one etc and the usual teams Sheffield looking as though they're meaning business and Nottingham yeah. doing the usual <laughs> finding great CVs but can they play together time will tell yeah uh, the last then we bit of EIHL unrelated or not related to EIHL ice hockey news was the conclusion of the Stanley Cup and it was good it was a good conclusion because St. Uh, Lewis beat Boston and everyone wants that indeed in seven I was pleasantly surprised by this uh, having picked Boston to win to win it uh, from the start of the playoffs I just felt like it's just kind of the way the Boston teams seem to do it in American sports but um, you know considering where St. Louis were uh, you know at the start of January worst team in the in the league at that point and to come back from that and uh, to reach the final but to then go on and win it as well it is just massive it's a huge achievement um, as as massive yeah it's, I mean, it's up there with the best, the best wins uh, of any Stanley Cup, in my opinion. Yeah, because the Stanley Cup's hard enough to win, never mind coming from that position. Yeah. Uh, and then beating Boston, uh, in Boston as well, com- comprehensively. Yeah. I saw the, the first period of Game 7 and they were up against it, but part of the story of that Cup win was Jordan Bennington who again rookie mm. season and just was brilliant you, you sometimes get that with keepers uh, 
He's the kind of guy Nottingham would sign <laughs> at some point before he went. Before he went, before he went there. Yeah, no, I just uh, really performed for them in a couple of games where they were right up against the wall. He pulled off big saves to keep them in it. Mm-hmm. And then guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko and stuff found their game. And uh, yeah, in the end, deserved winners really. You can't you can't win the Stanley Cup without deserving it. That's no, why it's so yeah. good, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know, like, <clears throat> gives thought to having a, a decent playoff run, uh, which is maybe something that this league should look at in the future. But um, you know, given a, a full a full seven games there, um, and you've you've got you've got the best team. Uh, in the end, I don't think you can, you can deny that. Uh, Jordan Bennington, yeah, was just tremendous, especially in that game seven as well. Point uh, nine seven save percentage. Yeah. So just huge. Some like some of the saves he was pulling off as well, just incredible. Yeah, a huge uh, big times. Yeah. Uh, there was one that was a wrap, like sort of wrap around type attempt. Uh-huh. They got his pad to, um, and often it is. Just down to small details, and there was that goal where Marshan kind of went off for a change, mm-hmm. uh, and left the guy wide open stuff. So, um, nah, good, good for them to win it, and uh, yeah, we don't want Boston teams winning everything. So, okay. uh, that's the way it is. So uh, that really ends the ice hockey chat for just now. We will be send a part one. Yep. And this two-part special. We will be back with you after the break uh, to bring you all the best from the rest. (laughs) Right, we're back too. And we have some very special guests with us. (laughs) Uh, They're going to introduce themselves. No, I'm not joking, I'm not. Go around the table. Uh, James and Kev are here. Now, this is James's first appearance. And he's never mentioned once that he wanted to go on <laughs> So, uh, famously. Yeah, he's got a few nerves. What, how are your nerves? I feel like I've got a lot to live up to. Kevin, this is your second appearance. Third, Third appearance, Third appearance. Sorry. How are your nerves? <laughs> I'm fine. Right, Kevin's fine. Right, Kevin so. just wants to get this over and done with so he can go home. Well, is this not technically episode 51 then? It's fifth day part B. Because we had the Harry Rags. Oh yeah, yes. I suppose we did. Yeah, it was in the official podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> aye, so anyway, enough of the shame. We brought them here because they've got good knowledge of um, women's football. And uh, that is indeed our first topic. Scotland's effort at the Women's World Cup. Who wants to go first? Uh, I enjoyed the game the other night. I, was, I watched it in a pub in London. It was interesting <laughs> atmosphere. But you, know, you were with somebody with a Scotland top on, didn't you? Yeah, I was. I was with one of my colleagues and he came with his Scotland top on, watched the game. And I think it was just the two of us that were only two watching the Scotland women's game. Uh, England women's on. There's quite a few people in the pub watching that and a few cheers when, when England scored. but. We thought that it was going to be a happy night for us, but as it all panned out after 90 minutes, so thoroughly disappointed. 
Yeah, shocking really with it. I feel sorry for obviously how it turned out, but the reality is if you lose a three goal lead with fifteen minutes to go then you probably don't deserve to go through, I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. So similar to Big Clan actually from last year. But yeah, big big three goal leads lost. <coughs> same same thing happened. Uh, the main talking point probably was well in fact it was definitely the penalty at the end, the double double whammy. One of the players after the game, I think it was Rachel Corsair, um said that the players were outraged because the referee had let play continue before the substitution was sort of yeah. made and actually when you watch it back it probably contributed to what was then obviously it was a stonewall penalty but Scotland probably weren't set yeah because Fiona Brown's coming on she's out of position now coming on to fill a position and over uh, too many players Argentina have got on the right hand side so there's nobody getting picked up and then that exposes Howard that was a bit of a desperate lunge but again she just came on yeah well but the the theory that uh, the referees from North Korea needed a shape so actually just thought we'll play on we'll play on through a sub and then play laundry things up I think that that theory probably isn't the case right okay Um, however she was absolutely dreadful one of the worst refereeing performances, I think. Right. I, I suppose in terms of the decision, it was correct, but... The actual award? Yeah, I mean, obviously she didn't give that, VAR gave it, so Scotland did get away with it if it wasn't for that pesky VAR. But, um, <laughs> you know, she got that wrong. I know it's the letter of the law, but that penalty decision in terms of giving the yellow card, because then Scotland goalkeeper didn't really know what to do for the retake. She was obviously worried about getting another yellow, and... Yeah. Actually, tonight they've announced that they're temporarily suspending that rule, so they'll still give a retake if the goalie comes off the line, but it won't be a yellow card. Punished a yellow Did card. Did not get sent off for doing that recently? Um, um, coming off the line, got a second job. Don't know. Anyway, but see the whole coming off the line. I think it's nonsense anyway. I mean, you can see I the force it. You can see the force it if she's far off a line but I mean she was her heel was practically on the line yeah. it's not practical a keeper can't is not going to ever dive straight down they're always going to dry, dive at an angle say sort of roughly 45 degrees to where the ball's coming in to impact to, to reach the ball the only way you can dive then is if you're actually behind the line yeah. and basically Start diving forward yeah. yeah some of them doing that um, I, I would get rid of that as a as a thing. Well, the Premier League and in England, obviously they are adopting VAR next season, but they've said that that's one of the rules that they're not going to have, or, or sorry, one of the things that they're not going to have VAR checking is, is for penalties where the goalkeeper steps off the line. So it's interesting that different competitions obviously set their own rules, but they've decided already that they're not going ahead with that one. And the eight minutes waiting time was just ruining football. Just... <coughs> Yeah, so I would, if you're going to do that, if you're going to have this off the line thing, I'd penalise players for uh, not continuous run up. Yeah. That everybody's doing that. The one thing as well, like, obviously it's probably the sort of first time that a Women's World Cup has been so heavily broadcast, particularly in the UK, but it feels like they're trialling new rules that potentially should have been trialled on a 
it's like the smaller stage. You know yeah. what I mean? Like uh, an under twenty ones or under seventeens tested. Because that re- that referee, to be fair, didn't look like she really knew what the, half the rules were. And I'm not trying to be funny there. She genuinely looked like she didn't know. I think that's the problem as well because the women's games, well, grown. I'd probably in Scotland at uh, increased rate, but the standard of refereeing that it's got the women's football seems to have. You've got referees that or be part time and in professional leagues as well. Obviously, it's similar to the men's game in Scotland, but they they're not getting the same exposure, and they're having to go in and deal with these brand new rules and VAR at the same time. And obviously, the yeah. fact that it's a World Cup just heightens the pressure. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the our, our complaint was they didn't add on the time. Yeah, I mean, again, so you didn't need to what about fifteen minutes. Again, the argument, the argument probably is, and I'm obviously not that up to speed with women's football in North Korea. If that's where the referee was from, <laughs> See, that's the whole point. Yeah. That we were on. I would suspect that in the North Korean women's football league, they probably don't have VAR, so there's an argument that she just didn't really know how to deal with such a stoppage, but. All the players were totally confused as to what was happening. Yeah, and even the TV pundits as well. Then yeah, it was a weird, it was a weird end to the game. Certainly, when she blew her whistle, and it seemed that like everybody in the stadium as well were, were booing. And I mean, did they did they actually play ninety minutes? That was the thing. Well, that's the bar's just going to stop. The, if that's going to happen, you'll never see ninety minutes. But in the I suppose in the Champions League VAR was used pretty effectively and the time was added on, so does it come back to the investment in referee education yeah. around what to do in those scenarios? Because to be honest with you, in sort of the men's football uh, sphere where VAR was concerned, it was pretty seamless. But they had the VAR decision that went against Nigeria in the France game and they had eight minutes added on time. Mm-hmm. They played the full eight minutes, they just didn't. It's inconsistent. It's inconsistent yeah. over the over. Then it, that probably then comes back to the point where yeah, training probably yeah. not that. Yeah, they didn't even did they announce? They had four. They had, they had four, four minutes, but it was already the time Argentina actually scored the penalty. Yeah. It was ninety three, yeah. so they basically kicked off and then right. finished. Yeah. So well, that aside, in fact, now final thoughts on that. What would you change about it? I think. Like even tonight in the England under twenty one game, there was a penalty and everybody could see it was a penalty, and the players know that VAR's there and they're straight up to the referee asking for it to be checked. Now it helps get big decisions right, but it is going to end up just becoming refereed by TV. You don't even need a referee in the pitch almost because everything's just referred up there. Yeah, it should be the referee should ask for VAR, not VAR telling the referee to view. In my opinion. Yeah, that's probably a good, that's a good point, actually. I think, yeah. like, it obviously helps get major calls right, so Champions League for, for Spurs this mm. season, it worked in their favour. Yeah. In terms um, of time as well, though, you've got, like, the referee sometimes coming off the pitch to have a look at it herself, but if you've got four referees having a look at it, and they've got all the best angles that they can possibly get, then what difference does it make? But the referees on the pitch is going to have a different view to, yeah. to the ones in the. It just doesn't. It doesn't suit a game that's not got natural stoppages. That yeah. much at the moment. That's the thing. Yeah. See, so in like tennis, where you've got a, 
after a point you've got <coughs> a chance to make a challenge or whatever. And then stuff like cricket as well, where it's there's an event and yeah. then it, it, it stops. So I don't know how you I mean, I think, it, I think it's not. It's not going to. They're not going to get rid of it. So I think goal line technology was probably the innovation that was needed needed to clear up some of the kind of contentious goals, and that's what pretty seamlessly. But VAR's always going to be a bit more difficult to embed. But I mean, certainly it's had. To be fair, in the Champions League, the, the implementation of it was relatively smooth. So maybe it's just an education piece and. And these new rules. More consistency around. Why, why, why change your rules over the penalty decisions with uh, goalkeepers? Yeah, especially at such a, you know, it's been a club in football and they have sort of that ruled out without what seems to be like the adequate training. Yeah. Yeah, I think just in general, the tournament, they were pretty hard done by Scotland. <laughs> by yeah, by far. Basically the first yeah. England I think England. the was the England incident and then that one there. And Japan as well, they didn't refer to VAR when the Japanese player handled the ball. Yeah, that's true as well. So, so in every, every game, yeah. uh, but I think uh, the... They were definitely hard done by, but again, when you're three and a half by 20 minutes to go, you can't really afford to ship three goals if you want to go through. I think it just adds to the list of Scotland football teams and World Cups, just how, how not to get out of the group. Glorious yeah, yeah. failure once again. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the Scotland players, though, you know, obviously on Wednesday night, Cuthbert particularly was, she had a good game, and looks like there's some decent Scottish yeah. players coming through, so hopefully the experience will stand them well for Putting the tournament. Putting a positive spin on it, obviously, people have watched it more than they would before. I don't think many people. Was it 18,500 that were at the. The warm-up game against Jamaica or something like mm-hmm. that, which is, yeah. I mean, that's arguably more than the Scotland men's team got for some of their friendlies. And Especially under McLeish. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's good to see that the it's public good ex- are there. It's good exposure, and I think, obviously, a lot of them are still yeah. part-time, are they not? So, mm-hmm. uh, or amateur, whatever you want to. I think they got the SFA... Gave them a deal from January onwards though, so they could be professional. So up to right. the World Cup, so they could okay. get their fitness up, but obviously that'll they'll be back to their jobs. Yeah. Well, hopefully the men can follow that, even though they won't. <laughs> <laughs> nah, maybe we'll see. But I think, yeah, it's positive and it would have been good to get them, see them go through. But I mean, if they're being too harsh, it was pretty difficult not to get through. So, again, for not only to not get through but in that way definitely feel sorry for them um, but hopefully they'll use the experience going forward yeah uh, so given that we've got a, probably Scotland's biggest Scotland's biggest party Thistle fan maybe a bigger one outside Scotland but uh, they've been in the news quite a lot recently more than usual no, it's been uh, busy week, not for negative things as well uh, can I just say so? Yeah, we were yeah. discussing Cecil's transfer policy before we came in, and Kevin wasn't actually aware of a player that had played forty-seven times for a rival club last season. So his knowledge is clearly not as encyclopedic as he makes it out to be. No, 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 no I never have. <laughs> Didn't tell us an Australian right back either, wasn't it? Yeah, no, really? So, yeah. I'm saying he's switching off over the summer. 
Maybe it is. Maybe we're waiting until August or July or June or when the season, season start. Season started, eh? That's what I back last week. Right. Yeah, so last Thursday. So you've got a bit of catch up to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew he'd signed, I just didn't know he'd play for Falkirk. Mm. I don't think he played for Falkirk last season. I need to look it up. So just, just a quick summary then <coughs> from the horse's mouth. Is it the horse's mouth? Is that the phrase? It can be. Yeah, right. <laughs> Summarised last season. Last season? Yeah. It was just... In old. five words. Five words. Just all round. Disappointment. <laughs> Or about a bit of a shambles. It wasn't. I wouldn't say it was a, it was a shambles because the we went down late. Didn't have the players in place and contracts for certain players. Didn't have relegation clauses, and then key players that we signed got got injured as well. Like Tam Ware was out for a full season, so that's that sort of one a key a key signing. It'd been good pedigree in the championship and then he's out for the full season when he'd never previously been injured when he played at Morton so we missed out there and then some of the recruitment that Archibald brought in certain players were just unfit and up to standard and you could see that and they, they continued to play like Bryson Tamway just just oh, an awful an awful player <laughs> <laughs> Save that for the Bryson Tamway podcast. Yeah, does, 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 does not deserve his own podcast. Well, that was the last time his name mentioned. And then Colbell came in, and there's, there was there was no difference for a long time until I think it was December, maybe Sam was there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, it was the turning point. They got well. We thought it was the turning point, and then they went up to Christmas. Big three points. Big three points, and then. They fell away again up to Christmas, and then it's after New Year when they brought in, they got some good key signs in Colwell, and thought oh, maybe we could get going. And we had a good wee spell, and we got we done well in the Scottish Cup. Should have beat Hearts. Should have got a penalty in the last minute. Uh, stories filled. Nah, it was a shocker. Bobby Madden doesn't give it. No surprise there. And back on the referees, but uh, and then towards the end of the season, it looked like. We were going to do it for a while, we had, and then sort of fell away again. And then we still had that game in hand against the air. We went down the air. We got about three points, and then it was up at Fur Hill. All we had to do was win. We had two games to go, and we blew it. And then it went to the last game down at Queen's South, and took a big support. And we think we turned up, and probably we signing the the signing the season. Scott McDonald uh, made the difference that day. He's, hard work, determination, and he brought players into the game, like uh, Lewis Mann, so he got his first goal on loan for this one, and then he's just recently signed back for us, so it was like, it, all in all, we stayed up, so that's what that was what was required, and let's start again yeah. this season and see what what, what Caldwell can do, maybe just the, there was a whole disappointment over Dylan leaving, but that was the club that didn't really handle that. Properly, so mm. just need to see who we sign and what we what we can do next season. The fixtures are out, so Aloha and third of August away first day of the season. You know, we've got the league cup before that, so on your strips as well. Well, that's the big thing that's going to uh, get you up promoted is the strips. Uh, 
it's the away top, isn't it? No way. They're playing with what was it's adorned with the LGBTQ, is it? Colours, rainbow, yeah, rainbow, rainbow. colours. Yeah. Uh, you a fan of the top? I think it's a nice strip. Yeah, it's uh, it's white. I mean, overall white football kits aren't greatest to be honest. I would, there's always been a bit of a, a bit of colour, uh, but the LGBT connection is good that the club's open to all these and diverse that maybe and obviously Thistler think they can sell a few more tops by doing that they've done it in the past they had the one with the breast cancer awareness on it and then previous tops have had like the pink camouflage to get attention and we got a lot of attention over the Kingsley thing a few Kingsley, years ago yeah. so it's another probably good PR thing but in the club as well get some positive news yeah, in terms of the in terms of the strip itself, though, the the collar looks a bit weird. On it, do you want to see a picture? Yeah, right, okay, I'll get it up so you can. I've got it right before. No, right, yeah. It's like kind of V at the bottom, but then there's a sort of collar like halfway up. Who is that modeling it? Joe Carden. Right. Nice, nice tan. Matt's brother. But yeah. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> and the collar look um, looks like a star, standard Joma type of uh, the catalogue there's always something sort of slightly bizarre and there's obviously as you can see in the the home top the red sweat patches yeah that's bizarre but I don't I'm not a fan of the home the home top I have to say what do you think of the home top? home top is, is a bit yellow for me but I can kind of see where the club's going with going back to the sort of 70s style when we won the league cup we won it in a full, a full yellow top uh, like red trim but I'm not a fan of, I don't I not like red shorts so I'd rather have black black shorts yeah um, I would agree I think it's just a bit it's a bit too yellow for me From I, I prefer a good mix of the colours will you be getting both um, do you always just get home or do you ever get away I don't know you, well, last season was the first season that I didn't buy the away top just because of the it's just a navy blue standard one and, no, it just, it just didn't really appeal to me, so I just bought the home top. And right. I don't full know. Full kit? No, not full kit, no. Not. <laughs> just the home top. Was, <clears throat> got the full collection going back. How many party types of tops have you got? Mm. That's a good game, actually. That is a good game. James, how many party types of tops has Kevin got? I would say 40. Oh, was yeah, I was going to set like an over-under. I would say. Do you know? I would probably say about 40, yeah. You've got it, you've got it, yeah. Been a fan for, what, 20... 20? I don't have any tops, right? I don't have any... Since birth. Since birth, but I don't have any tops since... I've only got 2002, three. that's the oldest top I've got, because I don't have any tops. Oh, so you get what? Well, it's two thousand two three. So you get seventeen seasons. Is that and then probably so you get a maximum of three tops a season. So you've got no more than fifty one tops. Yeah, probably. Three tops a season. If you include goalkeeper tops. Yeah, probably. Three tops a season. Yeah, Scott, Scott Fox Scott Fox yeah. name dropping there 
Uh, just then, how do you think this? What's the aim for the season? Have you got to what? Or are you just fighting relegation again? No, definitely not. I don't want to be fighting relegation <laughs> again. That's stressful enough. You don't do that. Barely enjoy going to the football. Uh, it's a bit difficult division to it's to get out of. Ah, it's yeah, really difficult. Both Dundee clubs there now in Dundee United were heavily investing. They brought up a brand new team in January and then they pushed Rudden all the way in the playoffs and I think Dundee United will be the, the favourites to go up and then probably closely followed with Dundee. They've brought in a few good players in the transfer market this week. So I think between the two of them and hopefully we can Oh, maybe we, Inverness, probably Dunfermline, they've got, Dunfermline have done the most business in the championship, maybe around about the playoffs, I would, I would, I would hope, but this will need to sign a good few players first before we do anything. And, and they'll be able to sign a load of players because they've got a billionaire, nah maybe not a billionaire, a millionaire owner coming in. Uh, that's the rumours. So what's the story with that? Chinese investment. Uh, Currently owns uh, Barn- Barnsley and uh, Nice. Uh, other than other than that, is quite vague on the rumor. The rumor front. Uh, to be honest, I really don't understand why MD would want to invest in Scottish football. <laughs> why is that? Never mind Thistle. Uh, never mind Thistle. Yeah, why is that? Oh, just Scottish Championship. I mean, what's what's there to gain from investing in Thistle? We're going to be some sort of feeder club for Barnsley and Nice. So we're going to saddle as his debt. They've done to Nice as a hundred million pound in debt or something. So you're not you're not up for this. If, so if this guy comes in, gives you the funds, you go up. Would you be? I just want the club to be well managed. Right. Okay. Looked after. I don't. I'm not interested in. This old storm ten in a row or something. <laughs> that was that was going to be the next question. I thistle the. Dark horse to stop ten arrow. I mean, I would, I would love to see Thistle win the league. But would you, would you take Thistle millions and millions of pounds of debt to stop ten arrow? No, I'm not interested. No, I don't care if they take a yeah. ten arrow or not. I mean, more. Would you take millions of debt to win the league? No. Right. So you're purely for uh, a well managed. Yeah. Family well, club. Well looked after club where playing decent football the sporters can enjoy watching and hopefully in the top flight of Scottish football back where you belong you know you have to earn it to get there seems fair wise words do you get anything else regarding your uh, mighty jags you want to talk about I don't think so no been reasonably quiet on the Thistle front until this week so Signings, I mean, sort of, maybe a look one, nothing to excite the fans. So we'll see what Colwell's got in store. Maybe he can pull something out of his sleeve and convince somebody to come out of retirement again. McDonald? Yeah, no, no. I was maybe thinking Chris Boyd. Would you like to sign Chris Boyd? Would you be. Eh, no. How would you feel about that? It'd be good for the goals point of view, but I don't know think it would work hard enough for the team compared to Scott McDonald as an overall team player and you could see that he contributed a lot to the team through his leadership and just tenacity wanting everything he was extremely fit as well yeah, off to Australia is it? yeah off to Australia probably everything is what 
Cash boys are twelve, so that. Fair enough. Well, next up, because we are outnumbered by Celtic fans, and I said that was the next topic. There's a lot going on at that at that club, so I'll open the floor to to you, wherever you want to start. Right, we should maybe start with the David Turnbull stuff. All right. I'll pass on to James. Obviously, he's got inside knowledge from Paul Turnbull. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Evo director confirmed this to me. I think. Um, Long and short of it is getting a player like Turnbull. Um, it's clearly something that the fans were hoping for after what happened with John McGinn last summer, but perhaps the John McGinn saga has, I guess, dictated some of the circumstances around the Turnbull transfer this summer, with obviously rumours that he was holding Celtic to ransom and more or less had a deal agreed with Norwich City and then all of a sudden he's back up the road wanting to sign for Celtic so I, mean, I think he had an excellent season last season in terms of uh, goal scoring performance from midfield but you know whether or not he's first team ready for Celtic at this moment I'm not quite so sure but definitely one for the future and I guess to, to get him um, for the fee that they're rumoured to be hopeful what is the it's supposedly around the 3 million mark right. with add-ons so Hopefully that's a sign of intent in terms of where Celtic are going to go with the rest of the window because there's absolutely no doubt about the fact that they need to bring in a couple of players to, to strengthen uh, and even just to compensate for the players that we've lost over the summer. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was just going through Celtic's Twitter page there. <laughs> Obviously still not announced uh, the David Turnbull signing, so, so until that happens... happens. <coughs> Then we can't be, we can't be sure for certain. It's, I mean, it's been a sort of strange social media strategy from Celtic on this one as well. Quite a flippant tweet last week. Um, I think again, influenced by what happened last summer with McGinn and the silence over that, and obviously the rumours flying around around Celtic's conduct and McGinn's conduct, and I think obviously they were keen to make sure that, that situation didn't arise again. Whether or not Turnbull then used that to his advantage to, to get a better contract, who knows? But I suppose ultimately he's came in and uh, I'm sure he'll um, be a good addition to the squad. I think wherever he was going to go, I don't think he was going to be the kind of player that would automatically go on and get a first team place um, the same way he had at Motherwell. And obviously, <coughs> he's not really been playing, like he said, what, one full season? Yeah. I mean, I must admit, the fee is quite high considering his experience, yeah. but I suppose that's because ultimately it became a bit of an auction between Celtic and a Premier League club and obviously the money that Norwich have got completely blows Celtic out of the water in many respects. So in that regard, Neil Lennon, I think, used the word a coup earlier on in terms of bringing a player in that had Premier League interest, but um, it's sad days if you're viewing a player that Norwich City are interested in as a coup. Um, but I suppose that's just where Scottish football is at the moment. You know, the money from England is just absolutely um, it's just sort of killing off the a lot, a lot of kind of the Scottish football tradition. What do you think his role's going to be then if he does actually sign? I'm hoping he'll, he'll come in and he'll act as a, a replacement for Stuart Armstrong. I feel like we didn't 
we didn't really re- sort of replace him. Yeah. Um, to the best of our ability, like obviously we've got thirteen or fourteen midfielders now. Um. So and some of them naturally will move on, but uh, I think he's definitely a an upgrade on on some of them. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how he does. A lot of the chat on Celtic social media sites was that Turnbull coming in would signal the. F- the, the fact that Olivier and Cham was going to leave and I think you know he'd a, he, and Cham's a player that's either absolutely brilliant or absolutely terrible there's very little in between yeah. on his days he is a really good player so there's an opportunity for I guess him to be moved on now if, if the deal's right um, and I think like looking at guys like Callum McGregor and Tom Rogic towards the end of last season they were fairly jaded so again having an option that Stephen said is a bit more attack minded because obviously you've got Brown in there who won't go on forever but he's very much the sort of anchor man defensive minded player so more options to I mean when Ryan Christie was out injured his absence was keenly felt so I think Turnbull can obviously help can add a bit of depth in that regard certainly for Scottish football he's a good sign whether or not he's the player that will take you to the next level in Europe I think Time will tell, but obviously, you know, not not in the immediate term. Yeah, no, I definitely would agree with that. Um, and I think you know they're, they're talking as well about. Uh, I think they're going to bring in another few players in time for training camp, but um, I would have hoped that would have been the case anyway, considering we don't have any right backs. Unless you consider Tony Robinson to be a yeah a starting right back. Uh, there was a. I guess just in terms of some of the rumours around who Celtic are supposedly looking at, so there was a Danish right back. No, it's <laughs> I did a wee bit of research. So there's been a, a guy that plays for Copenhagen. He's a Danish international. Um, I've, the name is literally out of my head. I think it's Peter Peter Ankerson, um, twenty eight year old, plays for Copenhagen, a Danish national team. So. Um, Danish football experts, of which I am not one, would suggest that he's standing. So you're not an expert in Danish no, football, I'm, I'm or not Canadian women's football. I'm exposing my lack of knowledge here, but yeah, so he's he's supposedly um, a good player, and actually a lot of people in the know would say that he's probably his levels above Celtic. So again, whether or not he comes in, that's one that's been linked, and we've also been linked with um, a Kosovo centre back or a Kosovo centre back. I'm your Rachmani, um, <laughs> who supposedly... Yeah, you obviously are an expert. Well, he play, I think he actually plays for Dinamo Zagreb um, at the moment. And, and obviously, you know, we had a, an ex-Dinamo Zagreb player at the club last season in Benkovic, who was tremendous. Um, so if he's anywhere near as good as what Benkovic was, then that would hopefully be a good bit of business to go over the line. But... It's been remarkably quiet other than that in terms of comings and goings and that's probably not been helped by the fact that obviously Lee Congerton uh, followed Mr Rogers down to Leicester and you've got a director of football or a, a head of scouting or whatever his title is just been appointed this week at Celtic so it's a bit, to be honest with you it's a bit of a, a strange time you know on the field the success is you know un, unparalleled um, but off the field, there's just a few things going on behind the scenes that make you question um, whether or not I was right. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's a weird thing, for sure. Right, I've got three names here. Must be shite, fucking winning everything. <coughs> I know. 
I suppose it's not. It's not so much that it's, it's on the park, as I said, it's been great, but I know, I know what you even mean, just the yeah, way that Neil Lennon was announced, like it was it was pretty bizarre and I mean, as I say, yeah. I know what you mean, but I think that it's maybe you start to see stuff happen in the next couple of weeks. But do you do you just think that you wanted to see them be more open about bringing guys in now? I suppose, it's, like you say, transfer. You know, the transfer window isn't even officially open yet. I don't know if it opens in Scotland. Uh, certainly in England, it's not open until the beginning of July, and it. Obviously, it's open for six or seven weeks, so you know time. Um, there is time to bring players in, but unfortunately for Celtic, the players need to be in, you know, at the beginning of July because of the Champions League fixtures. What Celtic have tended to do in recent years is bring players in after those fixtures, and it's too you know some too late. And it is a little bit too yeah. too late. So that's probably where the you know the the driver is for players coming in in the sort of immediate term, but. I guess we're so close to 10 in a row as well, you just, you know, everything needs to be geared towards that. I mean, obviously with Rangers strengthening a couple of players coming in and, you know, I suppose better form from them in the second part of last season, although they did, they did finish nine points behind Celtic. Um, Rangers had the continuity as well, having the same manager continuing, but Celtic haven't could have signed any pre-contract players or anything they've known. The players that are going to be out of contract since last August, so they could, they could have had business in place, but obviously the manager situation. If you look at the players that have left, so obviously um, Lustig's left, and you know he was one of the only ones that's been. Well, I think him, Brown, and Forrest were the only three that started the journey to it now. So he'll be a big loss in terms of he's maybe not so much on the park but certainly off the park, his experience and his influence. Obviously Boyata turned into a good player. You know, he's moved on, Benkovic is away back to, to Leicester. You know, the ongoing stuff with Griffiths probably means that we need at least one more striker. Um, as I say, guys like McGregor and Rogic looked fairly jaded towards the end of last season. Tierney who is a you know, he's an excellent player, but again, you know, injury kinda laden into the seed. Um so there's definitely areas that need strengthened and they're no surprise to Celtic. So as I say it'll happen and you know, time is on the side, but at the same time it was too little too too late last year when we brought players in. So hopefully there's a bit of business sooner rather than later and it'll help us with the qualifiers. Yeah, I think realistic thing really sort of annoyed me as well because I, <clears throat> I feel like he has been here this whole time and he sort of gets the club he knows what the, the team's about um, and you know but he would have been good as a backup um, I feel for next year so I think you know you've you've lost that that influence in his experience um, so really you, you need to be signing two, two right backs yeah. so it's just kind of making it a bit harder uh, to try and find guys that will come in. Um, so I think Lustig had wanted a three-year contract or something like that and Celtic were only willing to offer him 12 months. Yeah, and even the way these departures announced was a bit bizarre in terms of... It was actually... It wasn't really announced, was it? It was just that like a... So Tierney, Tierney and Scott Brown had posted to thanking him on either Instagram or Twitter and that eventually prompted Celtic into doing a sort of thank you Mika. 
um, yeah. post. But yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, so, was it bad terms then, Jack? Well, I think reading between the lines of what he's saying, I don't think he feels that Celtic handled it as well as he could. But obviously, you know, um, at his age, probably the salary he's commanding a three-year contract is quite a big commitment for a player that's going to be a, a squad player. So, in that regard, yeah. you can understand it, but you know, it does then just put additional pressure on who you're going to bring in. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, well, it was fine for Gent to offer him a three-year contract. So, I mean, I don't, like, it's just, for me, it's the experience that you're, that you're losing realistic. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a big loss and, yeah, just, you know, try to find two decent right-backs. Huh? And also, like, last season we were looking to beat Timothy Castagna and he's sort of taken off uh, during last season and... Uh, Did he see play for um, Atalanta, yeah. Obviously, that will be dead in the water now because they've qualified for the Champions League this season. So guys like that aren't going to be interested. Do you think people are waiting until they know the Champions League status? Um, I think it would have certainly helped last year if we'd got into the Champions League to attract players. Mm. Unfortunately, now Celtic's market is young, hungry players that aren't probably good enough for the elite academies and aren't good enough to move from. Elite Academy to Elite Academy, so Edward would be the example where, you know, certainly good enough for Celtic, probably unlikely to have ever played for PSG, but you bring him in, get some good service out of him and move him on. That's the model, but unfortunately with that model there's no guarantees and obviously we've seen that with some of the guys that we've brought in, but um, I think more and more clubs are starting to go down that route and it's making it more difficult. When you look at like some of the under twenty one championships, so even like so Romania, um, some of their players have already been signed up to Premier League clubs, and or they've got big release clauses at the clubs that they're at because the clubs are clever enough to recognise that exposure to that sort of tournament is going to attract interest for teams in England who can afford to to absolutely burn money in transfers, whereas Celtic don't have that luxury. So isn't Cham in the France squad? He was playing tonight. Was he? Yeah. Even, Moussa and Berlin, yeah, obviously he's... not there, but Mr. I said that, not at Celtic, but Mr. Penalty against England. Yeah, nah, scored tonight though, he scored the winner. Um, but like, historically that would have been, you know, an opportunity for play- players to come in, but the way the world is nowadays, it's just, everybody's kind of trying to do the same thing, unless you are in that sort of fortunate position in the Premier League where you can just spend whatever you want really without any repercussions so interesting times indeed what else are we going to talk about fixtures we don't really need to say too much we don't need to talk about the fixtures no okay it is interesting this year though the the first first Rangers Celtic match is um, at Ibrox this season whereas in the last two seasons it's been at Celtic Park so it'll be interesting to see if that has any impact on the season because Celtic have been Celtic yeah, haven't won at Ibrox for what the season <laughs> yeah but I suppose in terms of the momentum Celtic have probably been fortunate enough to get that first win in the old firm and then it's helped kind of kick start the season do you think it will be that close that it will come down to I think it will depend on who Celtic bring in I think like Celtic still definitely have enough quality Um to be considered the best team in Scotland but obviously 
um, with the players that departed and certain players that we've got getting older. And I guess as the pressure of trying to win the ninth championship in a row is something that you can't underestimate as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. So guarantee nine or guaranteed. Plus our still fun games a lot earlier than it usually is, but game four. Yeah, so. it's at the end of August it's usually on the towards mm. end of September, so and then they still get the they always do the New Year kind yeah, of time so on, do they? That's 29th of December. It's the last game before the break. Mm. So, okay. Which, and that's Celtic at home then? Celtic have got quite a few yeah. home games in December, which is good. Um, <laughs> no, but in terms of, like, I think last year we had to go to Petodja, we had to go to Ibrox, I think we had to go to Tynecastle as well in December. I'm not sure about Tynecastle, but we certainly went to Petodja and Ibrox, whereas this year we've got Hibs, Aberdeen and Rangers all at home, so second part of the season so it's good to have those games at home yeah especially if there's European stuff going on yeah Um, you done with it? that mob what mob the Celtic mob am I done with them uh huh are we done talking about them alright yeah we're done talking right, about them cool. you want to talk about soccer aid if you want you did <laughs> Nah, we can just briefly mention This was your agenda. It wasn't my agenda, I have to say. But, um, well, did anybody else watch it for a second? Yeah, I watched it. I watched most of the second half. Not much of the first half, to be honest. I watched it on fast forward. Jim just get up to the fridge. Yeah. And a drink. Door for anything else. that talking. His mouth's dry, he's talking so much. Uh, anybody want a drink? Get some water, please. Just get out of the fridge, mate. Yeah, no, uh, now I watched it on fast forward. Oh, that's a great sound effect. Love that. James, I've told you the bathroom's good. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the second half was interesting. It was good to see the comeback and the great the great equaliser in the last few minutes from Ken. Ken, what's his son name? Don't know. Uh, Saturday. 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 Obviously, you want to see the rest of the world win. Yeah. Well, I think but it's bittersweet for many people because of... Um, Piers Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, right. But um, the only thing that I saw from Soccer Aid was Gary Neville logging into Twitter specifically to slag off Jamie Carragher for his mistake for the first... It was a bad one. Goal for... Was it Bolt's goal? He yeah, missed, Bolt. missed yeah. the ball. That was a good finish. Yeah. Good finish. That was literally the only thing he did. The yeah, other good part was the Martin Compson's tackle on the English women. Was it Kate Chapman? Yeah, I think it was. Absolute crunch. DC, DC Arnott going yeah. flying in there. She was actually pretty good. Have you heard Martin Compson talk? Like, uh-huh. normally he's, he's quite he interesting. Like yeah, he's got a, yeah, sorry. he's got quite a thick sort of west of Scotland accent. Stays in Las Vegas as well. I don't know, sorry for some. We'll be on before he develops the... Uh, Gerard Butler plan. Yeah. I didn't actually think he was that good in the game. No. But no, he's, he obviously, he, 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 did, he did play for Clyde, was it? I think it was Clyde who was signed. No, Morton. Oh, sorry, Morton, yeah. It's... um. 
to be fair though, like obviously when you're playing with pros, uh, fair enough, it's ex pros. I think the standard of the rest of the world and sort of England celebrities is probably better than it looks. For some, yeah. for some I would say, yeah. Like the guy, uh, Logsmith. Yeah, he was, he was, he was yeah. pretty good. Point seven and a half. And obviously that guy, Kim, uh, scored the equaliser early on. I think he t- sat, turned inside John Terry. Yeah, yeah. he did. See, yeah, Terry will be raging, Canada will be raging. Yeah. There's some finishing. It's good for these players as well. They're coming in and being a celebrity, obviously they are exposed to a lot, but they'll enjoy football as much as we would and scoring that goal would be fantastic for them. And then winning the penalty shootout is always exciting as well. Indeed. Yeah, well, whoever they... Keeper for the rest of the pack. What's his name? Nicky Burn. Nicky Burn. Oh, yeah. He he must have been a keeper at some level. Who oh, was he flying with? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he was job. actually. Yeah. Thanks. Did you uh, I thought he was right under. Just thought of it. Yeah. I yeah. thought he was looked pretty decent. But the the England keeper was injured. Yeah. So it didn't help. He couldn't That's die right. for the penalties. But no, he's put on. Lee Max penalty was atrocious. But yeah, he was one of the worst. You like a bit of Lee Mac? I know that's good. <laughs> know that's good chat for the podcast. Maybe tweet a wee picture of Kevin. <laughs> have a poll, does Kevin look like Lee Mac? That one with all these thistle tops. Right. And then we could. We could Eurovision's shite and never compare. <laughs> Say that for the Eurovision <laughs> podcast. I know, exactly. That's right, I'm done that. You're done with that? Right, hey, what else did you want? Eh, uh, African Cup? Nah, they don't need to talk about nah, that. Nah, shite. Keep playing with trackies. Second half's just kicked off in the Egypt Zimbabwe game. Nothing each? It's one note to Egypt. Trezeg. It was. Same guy that played for France. David Trezeguet. No, just one point on that tournament. I know most people that have done any sort of reading will know this, but probably just sums it up that the tournament was meant to be in Cameroon and um, Cameroon essentially had to forfeit the, their whole status because of, like, of infrastructure and security challenges. So given that Egypt is deemed to be the country that was most prepared for both those challenges that went to Egypt, so the Cameroon have now got the right to host the next one. Is this not the second time Cameroon have given up hosting? Do they not have to give it back to the last one? Is that in Gambia or something? Yeah, there's obviously it's, uh, a current team. Yeah. And the African Cup Nations, and obviously this is an ever expanded African Cup Nations in the summer as well for the first time. Yeah. Burundi are one of the teams in yeah. this year, Saido Berahino. They're, uh, they're playing Nigeria tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Won't be watching it. Maybe. Is it on Eurosport? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so. I do, I do, yeah. Just kind you, of you've got no interest? I've got absolutely no interest in it. Right. None at all. And that's fine as well. Usually the kits are something to watch it for, if nothing else. There's usually one or two teams with yeah. quite a spectacular mm-hmm. kit. Goalkeeping house. And they get decent trackies. Pitches. People are bothered with the trackies. Awful pitches. 
Really? Well, again, styles will get better over time, so... If they get VAR? Uh, I would assume it. I would go out and have them and say no. But if you think yeah. about it, like, there are quite a lot of, sort of famous players. You know, Salah, Ma- uh, Manny, yeah. Keita. Um, yeah, I think they all take it quite seriously. Yeah. That's the... The, the, the drop-off, it's the, I suppose it's similar to the women's game as well. It's a drop between these high-calibre football nations and African... It was um, yeah, but then everyone just worked hard to get there, so they deserve their, their place. Hopefully, they put a bit of a shock. It'll be uh, I mean, Egypt are favourites, yeah. a because they're hosting, b because they've got the most experience. But you know, it'll Do you be money on it. No, I've, <laughs> I've, uh, that's, no. What, that's what everyone wants to know. Uh, to be honest with you, if James famously is a gambling addict. Uh, I think addict sort of, but. Um, of an overstatement but it'll be interesting to see how um, I mean whoever I said you would bet against that and you'd probably win yourself some money so so not Egypt then yeah Egypt are the bookies favourites put all your money on Zimbabwe uh, who have never made it past the group stages many times have Egypt won I would probably five. say five not correct six no Four? No. Seven. Seven. Seven times. Who did they lose the 2017 final to? Cameroon. Correct. I've made up made up for it there. Well, Cameroon and the holders, that's why I know that. And there wasn't one last year, so you are good, just as well we got done. Is that all the football? Absolutely it is. What about kits? Just quite, I wanted to give a wee shout out to um, friends of the podcast, Daniel McLaughlin, who admitted to do that he was going up to buy all four of the new Celtic training tops on top of having all three of the new Celtic <laughs> kits. No, <laughs> did he? Yeah, he's also he uh, notoriously famous for buying them every Celtic kit every season. Is he getting one with the initials hanging off it? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll um, need to pick up him on that. So, so does, see when you say he buys the training kit, does he buy just like tracky tops or does he buy... So Celtic released... T-shirt? Yeah, Celtic released four oh, sort of new... Oh, the actual yeah. full... So train... The train, the train... Top shorts, I haven't, socks. I haven't been to a few games with Daniel. Does he wear that? Uh, there's not much that <laughs> he wears that isn't Celtic branded or green. Do they have tra- like training socks? Um, the players will have them, but I don't yeah. know if they'll sell them. I mean, I would be surprised if they don't. I got any green one. I mean, the, some of the stuff is nice, I must say, but I wouldn't, you know, buy every single version. What are the? Do you like the actual plane kit? It's been a bit of a controversial one. Sort of break breaking the hoops, but there is only really so much that you can do with a top that has green and white hoops. That's true. Um, I thought I, I thought initially when I when I saw it I didn't like it and then I did like it but I don't like it. Now. I just think it's I don't know. It's, it's just too white and I thought. Um, the away kit supposedly going to be an interesting one. What yeah. the rumor is that it's going to be a, a return to yellow and what is 
and I'd use the term interesting um, sparingly here but what is interesting is that Porto actually have exactly the same colour if the Celtic kit is going to be the colour that it's rumoured to be um, and it's a, an, an tribute to Seville because um, Celtic's kit is made by New Balance obviously and so is Porto's so it'll be interesting to see if Celtic do bring out that yellow but it's kit. not going to be blue and white no, it's um, it's actually the colour of the ticket for the UEFA Cup final in two thousand and three. There you go. There you go. There's something that will help everybody sleep better tonight. Has <laughs> that been struggling? But now I know that. So does he buy? He buy, So he's got four. So he four doesn't buy them. Kits. To be clear, he gets the kits paid for by his uncle. Right, but the trade kits, he buys them. Uh huh. He was going up to buy all four yeah. tonight. So. Again, if he's, he's going straight, in, straight in Peter Lyle's pocket. No, no, to heat his driveway. Danny will be the first to say that as well. I know. If that's what Danny wants to do, then. He was also it. going to book up, excuse me, for the trip to Sarajevo. <laughs> yeah, we we'll stop edit that out. Aye, edit that out. He was, um, Celtic announced details of, that, of a day trip to Sarajevo the other day, and it was £660 for a return flight and a match ticket. I think one of the hardest of the hardcore will be paying £660 for, for that, but fair play to the ones that make it. And then you get the other three qualifiers as well. Yeah, it's a full-time job following Celtic off the qualifiers in the summer. That's why you need 13 midfielders. <laughs> millions of winners. Just getting a, 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 a real ticket and travel and do it. It'd be probably, probably better off than that, eh? It's, um... It's I mean, it's, I don't know, probably already kind of mentioned this, but it's ridiculous that we have to play so many qualifiers for what is the Champions League. But um, hopefully, you know, from for Scottish football's sake, we can at least kind of qualify for either the Champions League or the Europa League. Right, yeah, good stuff. Will we, uh, will we just finish off with a critical one? Yeah, but I've got one, I've got a question now. Right, okay. What do you make of the introduction of Sunday parking charges? Absolute disgrace. Kevin and I were actually talking about yeah. this off off mic. That's good. Yeah. So yeah. plenty plenty to say on it. I think it's just you know, the way the world is these days, everything's about profit and it's about making money and the fact that, you know, the, the the most powerful man in the world he keeps banging on about how the economy is booming and how he's grown the stock market etc is um on the one hand you know you could argue that's a good thing um for those that have money but you know the, the damage that it's doing and the jobs that are being created to enable that growth are um are I guess symptomatic of I guess what this charge is ultimately becoming which is just an opportunity to make even more money I mean in the grand scheme of things is it that big a deal uh, some of the reasoning behind it saying about how people all come in on a Saturday night and leave their car in Glasgow and not pick up until a Sunday but you're forgetting that is that that, is that, that was one of, the, one of the reasons so people can still come in on a Sunday and they can be able to park for an hour or two but anytime I went into town on a Sunday you could get a space no problem and you're forgetting that people are coming on a Saturday night and are going a night out. They've been played. They were paid plenty of money when they were on their night out in Glasgow, and then also probably got a taxi home and other things that they're spending money in the city centre. Yeah. So, but part of that they've got free parking. So maybe now 
they're not going to come into the city centre, they can't drive in, they have to pay for a taxi both ways, so they might just stay at home or they'll stay locally, and then that means that regarding the, the shopping situation, there'll just be more empty shops within the city centre in Glasgow, because people will just be going to Silverburn or Brayhead, where you can park for free. I suppose public transport as well is probably you know, a contentious subject in Scotland, but on a Sunday it's pretty skeletal service. Yeah, so. you've got the, the subway that closes at 6 o'clock on a Sunday. 6 o'clock, yeah. It's embarrassing. Isn't it? But Everybody's turned off now. <laughs> <laughs> this is, the, this is the, the Scottish public transport episode. But, well, it is an interesting point, though, in the chairs, uh, for the, like the parking charges and stuff. I don't know if that's because... They try and make obviously they're trying to make the city centre greener yeah. and introduce cycle lanes and stuff like that. But I didn't realise that you had to now the like the electronic charging points for cars you need to pay for them to use them. Mm. Which I didn't know. I just I thought it was a free free use thing. But probably need to pay back to the point where everything and because I understand it's like it. because it's like a parking space. Uh, yeah, but I thought that I thought initially. They were put in, and they were to be used free of charge, as a means of. You have a green car, so you don't need to pay for parking for that, but you do. So what's the point? So it's not it's not free charge then. No, free of charge. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. It's a pay of charge. Yes. And also, Glasgow City Council got an absolute huge deficit to pay off of the fair wages scandal. So. <laughs> No doubt that some of that money will be getting transferred over from the parking. Yeah. Oh. Get swindled into certain departments so they can pay that. What I found a wee bit, I guess, naughty for want of a better word about it was that it seems as if it's just being announced. Naughty. I don't know. Are we getting advance? Yeah. So you've got this is the last weekend of free parking, so they'll yeah, be flying fly fly the parking Sunday. Yeah. Right, do you know what critical mode is? Yeah, I do. I've done it the last thing, I think, as well. Kept it doing. Kept it doing. Do you know what James is doing? Um, I, I can imagine things what that to do. Right. You've, you, you'll be first in to do You basically get a minute on a subject that you're given to be critical about it. I don't know. Uh, so... I've actually I've come up with one that's pretty close to the heart, and uh, and no, it's not it's not Maxi. <laughs> uh, it's podcasts. So, uh, I'll give you a minute on the clock, and uh, you've got to come up with your best best criticisms of that. So your time starts now. For me, the main thing that kind of gets on my gears in terms of podcasts at the moment is the fact that they are trying to shoehorn um, a lot of the kind of women's sport into men podcasts, male podcasts, and for, in my opinion, for what it's worth, female podcasts should be given, or, or sorry, female sports should be given the credit that they deserve, and actually should become mainstream podcasts in their own right. Quite often on the male um or traditionally male podcasts like Football Weekly and other kind of uh, some of the bigger juggernauts the guys on that are male football experts um, and then they're trying to pass comment on, on women's football without necessarily having the right expertise the right knowledge the right 
um, I, I guess the almost like the, the kind of qualifications or the, the relevant expertise to talk about that. So that's something that I would be an advocate for um, in terms of creating those sort of mainstream women's sport podcasts that champion the role in sport and actually give it the, the place that it deserves rather than almost being shoehorned into um, you know other, other I gave you more than a minute there because you were making a passionate point so it was actually a minute a minute ten but is that getting cut because it was quite controversial I know it's a bit controversial no, it's, no, it's I thought you were going down a controversial route but you recovered do you think anybody continues listening at this point I mean, yeah, wait a minute. Two thousand plays. I think to the end. I no, think it's not to the end. I don't know how it counts. It does have like it. I know nobody really cares, but it really annoys me. Like it's not really annoying though that people like Jamie Carragher have got a scene and stuff. And obviously he's played he's played the game, but I don't think that translates through well to analysis a lot of the time so like, obviously you've got those guys that do these podcasts that maybe know a wee bit more about analytics and stuff they can talk about that rather than Jamie Carrier looking through fucking virtual reality yeah I mean I think yes <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose my point is that there'll be people out there that are experts in the women's game and can have those conversations about the women's game and yeah. it'd be good if they were given the opportunity to do that off their own platform rather than always being sort of shoehorned onto a male platform yeah it's the similar with all these podcasts there's always something that's like like say for example like Football Weekly they always just show on a sort of Scottish football but that back on yeah and it's just an absolute mockery yeah, of Scottish football absolute nonsense so there's really no point in even bother adding, it up, adding it, that on because they don't offer anything on the subject. Like, obviously, it's good that you know they have been covering the Women's World Cup, yeah. Um, and to be fair, some of the pundits on it have obviously done a bit of research, but it just shows a bit at odds with you know trying to promote the game by almost shoehorning it, as I say. Mm. Is it else doing that? Yeah, but I'll, I'll give I'll give one to Kevin. Right. Yeah. So that's the way to finish it. As soon as the as soon as the guests are on, you get into that critical mode. Yeah, true. Uh, so in light of uh, Kev's recent one all draw with James <laughs> 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 Oh that's quite funny. Uh, on FIFA. Um Kev your your critical mode is uh, well you can talk about FIFA or you can just talk about Computer games in general. I'll leave it up to you. You can decide where you want it. Computer games in, in general. Okay. Now when am I starting? Starting at five seconds past. Right. So <laughs> on you go now. Right. Computers. I just don't have time for them to last. It's just. I mean, I've got. It's not about the fact that I've just never really been interested in playing with them. I can understand the appeal. <laughs> I understand that I don't really have anything to be critical of them because I, I don't know if there's anything to criticise it's was, it was fine passing time playing them but it's not, there's nothing no appeal for me to sit 
Actually, I have nothing to say. Literally nothing. <laughs> can, I be, can I be critical about your critical mode? <laughs> can be, because I actually have nothing to say. What about on a lad's holiday when at 7 o'clock in the morning you used to wake up and after like military military well, that was your suitcase you were sitting playing <laughs> <laughs> your manager on a PSP waiting for you to wake up. Because I got thistle promoted, I achieved a goal. Yeah. So, you know, you haven't always been no, I'm too busy for computer yeah, games. No, I wouldn't say I'm too busy for computer games, I just don't really have a, a general interest for them. And on that holiday, it was there, so I took advantage of it and I achieved the goal of getting thistle promoted on the plane home. So, celebrations, um, celebrations on the plane. Huge. Oh, my champagne, please, mate. It wasn't a rider, like, who celebrated. <laughs> what about when you. Um, no, that's some of the stories for that whole day. That's another podcast. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, See that for episode 100 when you're back on it. <laughs> yeah, you can go on every, every 50. But no, nah, uh, it's, been, it's been a good one hour 50 minutes. Hopefully everyone's buzzing with the insightful knowledge and uh, quality humour. Indeed, thanks for, obviously, thanks for t- turning up to... The listeners, but also we used to. to, yeah. Cheers for coming on. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Get you back on next time. Cheers, folks.